0: I'm Nicola Dean and this is Safeguarding Matters with the Ancraft Trust. Hi Jane, Um, can you just introduce yourself and tell us who you are and who you work for?
1: Yeah, um, I'm Jane Wilson. I work for Active Lancashire, one of the active partnerships and I'm the lead safeguarding officer for the organisation.
0: I know I've done another podcast with another active partnership but what do active partnerships do?
1: Um, we work with different partners across each of our counties, so it's looking at how we engage with different partners to then impact on getting more people active.
0: And yeah, I think your background is being a, a coach. You're originally a coach.
1: Yeah, uh, um, I started off coaching 20 odd years ago just as a volunteer. Then led into being a community swimming coach, then becoming a coach mentor and then working with clubs and just progressed into sort of training and development and leading into the safeguarding lead officer role. I kind of, well, I didn't volunteer. I think our existing lead officer was sort of leaving And they were looking for somebody to replace, and because I delivered safeguarding children training for UK coaching, I sort of said, "Well, if nobody else wants the role, I don't mind doing it." And nobody else volunteered, so I've kind of been doing this role for about ten years now. (laughs) Funny that nobody else
0: volunteered. I know. Um, So. I know one of the things um, we're here to talk about was how you link in with the um, Safeguarding Adults Board, yeah. because that's something that we encourage from ACT is for active partnerships and national governing bodies and anybody from a sport organisation to link in with Safeguarding Adults Board. So how did you start to do this?
1: Um, well, the board was actually advertising or trying to promote somebody to come in and represent the third sector, the voluntary sector um and our chief exec Kadrian um came to me and said put an application in um so i put an application in and got the interview and was recruited as a board member um and it's just i think when i first went onto the board i sat there and thought why am i here I don't understand anything that they're talking about. What is this language? What's the dolls? I had no idea of some of the stuff that they were they were mentioning. Um, but luckily, I got mentored um, by a lady who was the chief exec from Healthwatch. And she worked going and in investigating in um, nursing homes and things like that, checking the level of care and safeguarding. So she really sort of supported me to get an understanding of what the board was about. And. Um, And it probably took me about 12, 18 months really to sort of get into the swing of what the board was there for and, you know, looking at serious case reviews. But a lot of it was aimed at the care sector and hospitals and things like that. So it it didn't really sort of resonate with me within our sort of organisation of what we do, working with like coaches, volunteers, other people that deliver physical activity sessions, for example, So once I kind of got my head around what the board was and understood some of the terminology, then it was kind of like, well, what does that mean for us in the voluntary sector? All right. That terminology is too complicated. We want it in layman's terms. Um, So, you know, we've been working with the board. We had um, on the back of an incident that came about last year. um, We were now working with the board. And I know you've been involved with conversations yourself, Nicola, around developing a guidance document. So when we're working with um, partners or we're commissioning them to do work for us, what is it we need to check? You know, what's the background checks we need to do? You know, checking the policies that they've got in place. You know, is their safeguarding policy robust? A lot of organisations we've worked with have experience of working with children and young people. And that's great. They've got the safeguarding policy linked to that but then they haven't got anything that links around safeguarding adults. So we've been doing quite a bit of work to sort of um, get things in place and the board have been supporting with that. We're also looking at, because within sort of sport and physical activity, people don't always understand the need around safeguarding adults because they all have this attitude, well, we've not got anybody who's vulnerable, we've not got any adults at risk. So we're looking at developing um, a video um, just to sort of, Um, like a cartoon type video if you will Um, just to sort of explain what adult safeguarding is what might what might a vulnerable adult look like you know domestic violence or somebody who's been neglected you know they're not being cared for for example in the home um any sort of kind of hate crimes that they might see which you know could happen within organizations and different activities that people are running just to sort of really hot quick hard-hitting information that will sort of stay with that person so we're looking like a two or three minute video that we can then sort of promote so that's on our, that's currently on the agenda for us to start developing, and that's working with the Safeguarding Board to do that.
0: So is this for the sports sector, or is it for the voluntary sector overall?
1: Overall. So we'll have elements from different voluntary organisations, as well as sort of your sport and physical activity organisations, and then we can put it out to everybody.
0: Wow, so that's a proper regional um video that's going to benefit so many people across Lancashire isn't it yeah and lots of different sectors
1: yeah and it's something that we can put on our website we can put it in training courses that we're delivering you know just so people have more of awareness put it out in newsletters you know that people can just you know if they haven't heard about safeguarding adults you know a lot of sports do have adult participants adult athletes Um, but they don't always see that they might potentially be at risk. And especially on the back of COVID, we've seen a massive increase in um, adult concerns. And as an active partnership, um, I think in the last three years, we've had one safeguarding incident relating to children. And that's one of the benefits, really, of being with the board. Anything to do with sport and physical activity, they kind of refer it to me to sort of support the organisations with. And then um, it's just having access to that expertise. You know, I still get stuff that comes through and it comes through on, you know, a telephone call or an email and I think, oh, I have no idea where to start with this, right? Who can I, whoever got on that board, that's, that, that's their area of expertise that I can just sort of say, look, this is what the query I've got. How do you recommend that I deal with this?
0: Wow. So yeah. you've got this group to call on because it can be quite a lucky thing can't it being a safeguarding lead in an NGB or in an active partnership you can sometimes feel like you're on your own
1: you do and I think some of the concerns with the adults that we get they take so long to deal with like the safeguarding role is not my full-time role it's just something add-on that I do um, but we've had a couple of issues one took two weeks to deal with One took sort of seven or eight days you know and that's taken away from your full-time role so it's having more experience more knowledge more understanding of how to deal with some of these things and I am I think I've been blessed that I, I've got this connection with the adult board I really have and I, I would say to any sort of active partnership just you know contact the business manager of the The board have that conversation see if you can get involved with the board um you know they can use some of our examples of how it might benefit in their county you know it it just like I say at the beginning it was like why am I sat here I don't understand it but now I don't think I could be without it you know and the relationship that I have with the business manager and some of those members it's fantastic i just i can just pick up the phone i just drop them an email and just say look i just need a bit of help or a bit of advice and you know it's it's invaluable isn't it to have that you know i'm not a safeguarding expert i don't do it as a full-time job um you know i'd love to be the font of all knowledge around safeguarding that'd be amazing but i'm not
0: (laughs) well i remember you starting it actually and i remember you coming to a safe to a safeguarding sport Uh, conference that we're running and you start you just started and you were saying these are some of the things i'm finding i don't understand the language and now you you are understanding the language because you're working with these people but do you think this benefits to the um active to the safeguarding board as well do you think they're benefiting from you being there
1: yeah, because I'm sort of challenging them because they have to work with the voluntary sector. And that's quite a wide sector. You know, there's all types of different organisations in there. Um, you know, they don't always get that. We don't understand that terminology. We don't understand how to take some of that information and implement it into our own arenas. So it's about us saying, right, well, let's simplify that information. You know, I know on our board website, um, they have what we call seven minute briefings and they're just one sided documents. You know, one's about mental capacity. There's one about um, sex texting. You know, there's some adult and children's ones. And, you know, we've shared them on our, our website and with coaches and stuff. And it's just highlighting, you know, simplifying that information, you know, so they can actually take that information in and have a better understanding.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like you say, these safeguarding adults boards want to reach into the communities because that's actually where most safeguarding happens, isn't it? It is, you know, in a group. Um, it is outside people taking part, and you're the eyes and ears in sport and activities to so spot things, yeah. aren't you?
1: Yeah. And, you know, we're working wider than just sport and physical activity, the partners that we work with. So we're working with um, drug and alcohol recovery teams. We're working with mental health teams. And um, I know you've known me for quite a long time, Nicola. I am one that will ask the question and challenge what's being done. And it has caused a little bit of friction sometimes with partners. But it's about going back to the board and saying, these are the partners we're working with, but we don't feel that they are doing what they need to do around protecting the adults. So it's that kind of quality assurance, right? Well, how do we go in? And this is what we're working on as well, is how do we go into these partners that we're working with and sort of challenge their policies and procedures? You know, are they fit for purpose? Who's checking that they're dealing with concerns in the right manner? You know, so it, it's good and it's been a massive eye-opener for me Um but it's about making sure that good things are in place. and with the board's support, we're able to to do that and start moving things forward.
0: Wow, yeah. so it's happening you as an active partnership. You're then helping the groups that you work underneath, but you're also helping other sectors. So you're helping other groups of people and you're doing like a quality assurance type role as well. So
1: yeah, if we work with a partner, and we have a safeguarding concern so if we're commissioned we're commissioned by them to do a project it's being clear on what policies and procedures we have to follow all right sometimes that's not always agreed so it's only sort of later down the road when you've got a concern that you you find out well actually which policy are we following um and then going back and sometimes things have not been dealt with effectively. So we can't, you know, I I, I would go back to the board and say, look, this is the concern that I've got. I don't feel it's been addressed. How do we now quality assure what what that sort of sector's doing?
0: Wow. Yeah, proper organisational learning, isn't it? So that's part of the Safeguarding Adults Board's role, isn't it? And you mentioned about the um, Safeguarding Adults reviews that they do. But yeah. even when it doesn't come to that, you're still seeing what's happening in sectors and bringing it through to the board. Yeah. If it might be seen as a lower level thing. But if you get that right, you then try to avoid some of the bigger things mm-hmm. happening as well, don't you?
1: That's yeah, sensitive suppose, for us. it's not just Lancashire, but I suppose there's um, other areas that, you know, around adult safeguarding that, you know, how do we check and challenge nursing homes and hospitals? It, that's... A lot easier to monitor, isn't it? Whereas some organisations are not that easy because they're not as linked in with, you know, some of the operational stuff that we do within the board.
0: No, they're not as regulated, are they? they, they you know, the people can set up something. There's no regulation from. And you, you were somehow seeing this, um and through your funding, really, I suppose, through the active partnerships, you, you know, you're funding an organisation and you can see what's in place
1: yeah. and you can influence really it's good um, I think I'm very much like a sponge when it comes to safeguarding I've really got I mean people friends and family say oh how can you do that job but I love it and I want to I want to do <laughs> I want to influence the change so it, it people get better supported
0: it's great because before we came on the call I was talking about with um we're talking about um how do you create change how do you create safer cultures and everything that you're saying fits in with our um safer culture safer sport um yeah. campaign that we're running yeah. so you are creating change
1: yeah absolutely and i think you know it's i sit on the national skills and development group as well and it, you know I, the adult side, the adult sector that we do within sport and physical activity, there's still so much work to be done. Um, you know, safeguarding adults training. You know, just just getting people to recognise that that's as important as doing children's safeguarding training.
0: You know, and you've I, been this for ever since I've known you. I think you've been recognising safeguarding adults training. Um, and yeah. why do you think? Because you were talking a bit about it, but I think you've dealt with some safeguarding adults issues, haven't you? And so you know firsthand how important it is.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, we've got to come away from that sort of um, mindset that, oh, well, if it's a club, I mean, I'm still involved with the swimming club and, you know, the people still kind of have, well, that what happened in our club. We, you know, we don't have anybody that's an adult at risk or a vulnerable adult. You know, we're all potentially an adult at risk, aren't we? You know, especially on the back of COVID with, you know, mental health and all that kind of thing. It, it, it is quite, it's it's massively on the increase and we need to have more awareness of how to support an individual, you know, if they do hit crisis point um, and talking from personal experience as well. You know I think because of the the training that I'd gone through and the work that I'd done, you kind of shut it away for yourself. You know, you don't think that you've got an issue until you hit that crisis point and you think, well, actually, if it's affected me and I'm quite a strong character, there's a lot of other people out there, and like I said, I, I've always jumped on the 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 fent on the bandwagon. And it's like, you know, we have to do something. We have to get more people trained up and aware, and have that better understanding. You know, it, it's a you know a three hour workshop, you know, to get a bit more knowledge and understanding, and that could massively help an individual if somebody's got just that little bit of extra knowledge. Yeah. And
0: what comes through as you're talking? You're not doing it because it's a process and you should do it because you tick a box. You're doing it because you're supporting this person. Oh, yeah. You're not They're not just following the flowchart, yeah, because yeah. that's what you've got to do.
1: No, it's about, because I always talk to the, if there's a, a concern comes in, I speak to that individual. You know, going to do no matter what the report comes in, I will still speak to that individual and find out what's been going on, how they're feeling, you know, what's happened, um, what do they want? What yes. do they want to see happen? What outcome do they want? You know, what support do they feel that they need? And it, it's that I suppose it's like the softer skills, isn't it? Showing that compassion and, you know, having that understanding for that person. I might not have a clue of what that person's feeling but it, it is about sitting down and saying, right okay this has happened we know this has happened we'll get the support that you need you're saying you want some support we'll get that that you need right but where where do you feel you want to be in you know in 2 weeks time or 6 months time it it, it is you know the people they've got feelings we we need to treat them like that
0: well that's if i think about again back to the um campaign um one of the key things is listening and when I see basically when safeguarding goes wrong and people say oh i followed the procedures and then I'll say well what did that person did say <laughs> yeah. and they'll say oh, oh I didn't actually speak to them so you've done a whole you think you've gone through your flowchart, you've even run Nicola up from ACT and yet you've not spoken to that person yeah. And you're seeing that's actually the starting point, isn't it? Rather than an add-on.
1: Yeah. It's funny, I've been um doing some recent safeguarding children courses, a couple online and a couple face to face. And you know, when you start going through the what to do, all right, listen. We've got two ears and one mouth. Use it in <laughs> proportion. <laughs> Let them finish what they're saying first, and then you can speak. <laughs> That's what I always say to people. If so, if, you, if you're trying to speak and somebody's constantly chipping in and asking questions, you're gonna think, "Well, what's the point? You're not listening to me." Listen. Two ears and one mouth. Think on. <laughs> because, well,
0: they're, what they're thinking is the their their end product, their end process. So the person asking the questions has got a, has got an end point in mind. They've got their own outcome. Whereas you're saying, ask that person and find out what they want and what their outcome is. Mm -hmm. And that's where we get into difficulties, I think, as professionals, because we think we've got the right outcome in our head. And it shouldn't be our outcome, should it? I
1: remember um, a few years back, I'd just done the assist training and um, I got a phone call concerns about this male um, talking suicide. So I said, right, give me his number, I'll ring him. So I had something like three hours on the phone with him. And by the time I'd finished, it was gone 11 o'clock at night. right? And I was I was shot at, absolutely shot at. But it wasn't about me. It was about that individual. Um, and when I first spoke to him, he did have a plan. He knew what he was going to do, when he was going to do it, how he was going to do it. But through the conversation, it was kind of turning him around and thinking a little bit differently, like his thought process. And then two days later, he rang me back. And he said, I just wanted to say thank you. And I was like, what for? That's that's what I do. He went, no, because you showed me that somebody cared. Whew, I was like, oh, really quiet. Because dealing with it at the time, you, you just go onto the kind of autopilot, don't you? You have the conversation, you know, you, you let them talk how they're feeling and things. But then afterwards, it was like, wow, I've really had an impact on that person. And that's what it's about, isn't it? You know, what can we do to help individuals? I mean, that's quite a severe case, isn't it, when somebody's talking suicide, you know, but even so, if it's not as severe and it's only kind of like touch, I don't know what, I can't, can't think of an example off the top of my head, but it is about just giving them the time. And yes. And just showing that you do care. Yes,
0: because you do, you do. I mean, you cross over from, I mean, it's all linked, isn't it? But yeah. mental health, you do your mental health first aid training and, yeah. you know, you take on the role of safeguarding adults. But what's always come across as being, you put the person at the centre.
1: Absolutely. The person. Yeah, it's not about me or you, you know, it's right. about that individual that's going through whatever they're going through. You know, it's all right having a great policy and procedure in place. But if you've not got those sort of softer skills and the compassion and a bit more sort of emotion that you can put into it and understanding, then you know if why why do it?
0: Yeah. And I think you've said about if um so if somebody is in that position where they recognise something about someone, they can call on someone else who has got the skills. You don't have to carry it around and think, oh, I don't know what to say, I don't know how to do it. You know, long term, you can do more training on that, but shorter term, just
1: pick up the phone and speak to somebody. And I think as well, one of the, um, obviously talking about the gentleman with uh, suicide, and then there was another one that was really hit me quite hard, um, it was then looking at what supports there for me as that lead officer. So if I feel that I need to like debrief or talk to somebody, then we do have the access to a counsellor. So I think that's quite important as well. Um, even sort of the business manager at the board has said, you know, if I feel that I need support, then I can go to her and support will be put in place um, to help me. So it is, you know some county uh, council partnerships they were a long time ago and um, active partnerships and um, as a safeguarding lead officer you know some organizations might not deal with many cases some might but you know it is about putting that in place so if you do have an incident that you've got to deal with that's really sort of detrimental to your own sort of emotional well-being and mental health it's being able to sort of offload that and talk about that and sort of being able to sort of shut that away then yeah because otherwise you want to do the job
0: you can't do the job no it's it's putting on your emotional life jacket isn't it and I was just thinking about the work that um UK coaching are doing that's something that they're looking at is with coaching about who who supports the people who supports the participants yeah so that's a big part because they've found that coaches take on you hear quite a lot as a coach don't you and you might have to deal with something and afterwards it can rest heavy on you so it's how you get the support that's
1: not kind of people don't identify that because we might be volunteers i you know i'm a volunteer still um they don't always see that that's needed because we're voluntary and we're in sport and you know if you've got something that is quite severe that you're dealing with you don't know how that's going to impact on you. You know, whatever it is, it could be something really sort of very simple and uh, an easy process to go through. But emotionally, that could trigger something that you you just don't expect. So it's it is being able to sort of speak to somebody.
0: Yeah, yeah. And we we think that we're professional, and we are professional. But being professional is knowing when things have affected us, yeah. And knowing that actually I need to get some support for that. So. Yeah. Oh, thanks, Jane. Now we've got, we've wandered from Safeguarding Adults Board right the way through to the absolute crux of it, though, which is person-centred safeguarding. And, you know, all the support that you can get from the Safeguarding Adults Board so that you can do this person-centred safeguarding or support. Um, have you got some tips for active partnerships or for a lead officer in an NGB, maybe, about... You know, getting in touch with boards or what they should be doing. Or yeah,
1: I what think you think. as an active partnership, if you're not linked with the boards, then definitely doing it because the support that you can get, the awareness raising, the access to training, I mean, I'd, Lancashire offer free training to board members. Um, and some of the stuff that they cover, you know it, it's just that additional knowledge, isn't it? The more knowledge and understanding we have, the better we can support individuals. So I would say just get in touch, you know, contact the business manager and um, have that conversation about who you are and what you're trying to achieve. Um, you know, you could even use myself as an example, you know, uh, saying that Ancraft Trust are recommending and we know that other active partnerships are, li- partnerships are linking in with the board. Just do it. And if you do get to become a board member, don't be disheartened in the first few months. Like I said, it took me well over 12 months to sort of get a gist and start to understand what they were talking about. Um, but just ask the question. You know, just just get involved. Thank you for listening. If you want to know more about our work,
0: check out our website, AncraftTrust.org, and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Anne Craft Trust.